bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Wednesday morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in here to Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys. Uh, apologize for being a minute late. That's on me. It isn't that I was caught in traffic down by the sports complex in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, did, didn't even attempt to go down there last night, which I understand was a smart idea. Missed the game. Great Phillies game. Enjoyed it at home. But uh, didn't didn't get anywhere near South Philadelphia. No, I was just reading up on another potential rule change in the National Football League and lost track of time. So uh, we'll make up for it on the back end if uh, Xander lets us stay an extra minute before the Philly Sports Power Hour. Uh, we'll, we'll make it up to you uh, at the uh, end of the show. Uh, Johnny Mac, no, you were a little busy today, but you two didn't have to go down to the sports complex where your uh, coordinator interviews <clears throat> done virtually? Uh, no, no, they're live. Okay. Coordinator Day is live, but uh, you know you're clear uh, enough for the to avoid that mess. So I did, uh, I was able to avoid that. But I know a lot of guys who are covering the Phillies. I know a lot of guys who are covering the Flyers, uh, and there was a soccer game as well. Yeah, I heard it was a a mess as to be expected, but. I think everybody's pretty happy after that uh, Phillies performance, except maybe the Eagles. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. This week, I'd say it's a good thing because uh, the Eagles lost their first game of the season. So slightly less attention because some people are paying more attention to the Phillies as they should after last night's ass kicking of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Good, good on the Phils. And yes. I did specifically put on a little red today to acknowledge the hometown baseball team heading Arizona up to nothing. Um, But you did have work to do if you headed on over to South Philly to hear the coordinators. I got a couple of, I watched both of the interviews after the fact and I got a couple of questions on that. But first things first, did you get a chance to talk to uh, the offensive coordinator before, after it leaked out that Julio Jones was going to be added to the Eagles wide receiver room. Um, yeah, it was a surprise to me. My mic was dealing. Is it sound good now? I just checked it, uh, settings. You sound fine. All right. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, you know, this one's a surprise to me. I, I thought, you know, it feels a little dream teamish to me. It, it feels a little bit uh, uh, overreaction. You know, we always joke about overreaction Mondays in the NFL. This was sort of that's usually from fan bases around the country. This seemed like an overreaction by the Eagles uh, to make this decision. Now I'm interested to get down there today, hopefully talk to Julio, you know, how far was this in, in the pipeline? Was this in the pipeline? If this was in the pipeline, then I don't have as many issues. If this was a reaction to what happened against the jets, I have more issues, but at the end of the day, I don't think it, it matters. If it works, it works. Uh, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, you know, it's low risk, so I don't know how upset you can get over it other than, yeah, I think it was an overreaction. Um, um, my first impression before I get to talk to a bunch of people about it. Here's why I don't think it's that much of an overreaction. If Quez was going to be out maybe one more week, then okay, fine. Do you really need to sign someone and use up some capital and a roster space and have to balance the roster stuff like that. They put Quez on IR. So he's guaranteed to be out the next three weeks, correct? Yeah, it's not It's not about Quez or even Alameda Zacchaeus for me. It's about, uh, you know, I've talked about this really dating back to the, the spring is there's only one football. And the, the third receiver on this team's not going to get a ton of traffic um, is – is Julio Jones at 34 going to be better than Quez Watkins or Alameda Zacchaeus? Yeah, probably. Um, is he the right fit? I don't know. You know, I've heard so many different things. I wrote some of them down from, and, and because this is a hall of fame receiver, you know, and, and, and this is a no doubt about it. Hall of fame receiver. He's got the big name, but again, he's not a hall of fame receiver right now. He's 34 years old. This is his fourth team in four years. Yada, yada, yada. He's not the same player. I've heard the Zach Pascal explanation. Uh, well, maybe you can add that because he's got a big body. And understand, this guy was the playmaker for his career, his entire career. Um, people were blocking for him. He was the one getting the football. And others were the role players designed to to block and get him space. Is he going to accept that kind of role? I, I don't know. And it, and, it, and if people assume just because he's got size, he's got tremendous size, obviously, that he can do it. Well, why can't Joseph Nada do it? You know, just get any six foot three, two hundred twenty five pound guy. So that was one I got. I got another that he could maybe help Alameda Zacchaeus. What the hell is Aaron Moorhead doing here? That's not how it works. You already have A.J. Brown. You already have Devontae Smith. Why can't they help Alameda Zacchaeus? You know, you're not bringing a coach in. You're bringing somebody to play. And then my favorite of all, because it's the biggest cliche and this drives me nuts. Oh, you just take the best 53. And what I said. Julio Jones, even at 34, is a better receiver than Quez Watkins. He's a better receiver than Alameda Zacchaeus, which I agree with. Is he a better fit, though? I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe it isn't. 
but I'll say, I'll explain it this way because it gets conflated by the big name because people get excited about the big name. The Eagles worked out Marquez Callaway um, and Desmond uh, Patman before they signed Julio Jones. These are, you know, Callaway caught a bunch of passes, not, you know, 90 passes in New Orleans. So think of it this way. It, it, is, is Marquez Callaway a better receiver than Britton Covey? Damn right he is. Yep. Is he a better mm. fit? No, can't return punts. So the answer to that is no. Um, is Desmond Patman, Patman say better than Devin Allen as a receiver? Probably. Can he can he cover kicks like Devin Allen? I don't know. Maybe he can, but I know Devin's been really impressive, and that's why he's gotten on the team's radar. So it's not just about get the five best receivers you can get. Then you sign who Jones and Callaway and Patman on the same day and say, oh, we got better. That's not how it works. Um, I, I I get very dream teamish vibes from this. I get very overreaction vibes to this. Did, did, that, yeah, and and I texted impression. this to you earlier yesterday. Did you get those same dream teamer vibes when they signed in Dominican Sue last year? I did. I did Sue a little bit. Joseph, no. I thought Joseph was needed at the time because. They had lost Jordan Davis for four games at least. We didn't, it might have been more, as you point out with Quez Watkins. He's out for four games at least. It might be more. Uh, same thing with Jordan. It turned out to only be four games, but you know what? He wasn't the same when he came back uh, as well. And they lost Marlon Tui Pelotu. So you had that ding ding with your best run defenders. And they gave, by the way, they gave Marson, Marvin Wilson a, an opportunity in his hometown of Houston, and, and he didn't play well. Um, and then they went out and got Linball Joseph. And I said, eh, that makes some sense. But Sue, yeah, I was like, they don't need Sue. What, 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 what? I got some dream teamish vibes. No, it didn't hurt. He, right. he was fine. He was that's a good dude. I, that's, that's the way I'm looking at this Julio Jones thing. I don't yeah. see the downside. I uh, Here's the only way there's a downside for me. And I think there's evidence to believe it's not going to happen. When Julio Jones last year signed with the Buccaneers, he knew he was hooking up with Tom Brady, wanted to play a season with Brady. Tampa was a legit Super Bowl contender going into last season. But he knew he's coming in as the third wide receiver. This wasn't going to be Julio Jones' numero uno option for the quarterback on too many dropback plays. And he fit in fine as the third wide receiver. As far as I can tell, uh, maybe I'll shoot a text to my guy, J.C. Allen, and see if that's the case. Julio got it. He understood. He knew what his role was. He didn't rock the boat. He wasn't whispering in the QB's ear or going to the offense corner saying, how do I get to a game with only one target? No. He knew his role. He accepted his role. He played it. I guarantee you that's the same exact thing here. Howie Roseman is not signing this guy without getting a, a look in his eye and telling him, listen, you're coming in as our third wide receiver. We've got a third wide receiver who the coach flat out loves named Quez Watkins. And when he's healthy, you're not even going to be the third wide receiver. You're going to be fourth wide receiver. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. I think I think the ship has sailed on, on Quez from that standpoint. But uh, I, I the will threat say, that is Quez Watkins. 
Yeah. You're telling me that Nick Sirianni's giving up the ship on that one? The fact yeah. that he, the, just the threat of him stretching the field gets Devontae Smith and A.J. Smith that much more wide open? Well, He's I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I love you. You get caught up on things. I mean, it's a legit point. He's making a legit coaching point. Now, he's trying to elevate the player. The player had lost confidence last year. He did it all offseason as well. But he's he's just not that good. Uh, that That's, that's kind of what I've been saying all along, John. Yeah, but, but, but you dismiss, then you turn off, and you dismiss that he can run. And my whole point is, and Julio Jones, by the way, when he was young, I mean, that was the most impressive part of him. He could run like Quez Watkins, but he's 6'3", 220. Now I don't think he can run like that anymore. Um, so so we'll see how much Julio has left. But look, you can't compare the two as receivers. Um, one's going to the Hall of Fame, and one's probably on his last gasps here in Philadelphia. And he'll get another opportunity somewhere next year. But um, my overriding point is, yeah, it's low risk. I mean, it's a, and and everybody, if it doesn't work, everybody's going to forget about it. Um, nobody cares. And by the way, Julio's very close with AJ Brown. He's he's been teammates with Malamade. Um, he's he's uh, he's got a good relationship with Devontae Smith. Devontae had always talked about him. They were obviously years apart at Alabama, but those Alabama guys stick together and he's always been sort of a role model for Devonte Smith, not from a playing perspective because he's different type player. He's so much bigger. Um, uh, so he's, he's got a relationship with almost the entire, uh, wide receiver room. I'm not even worried about the chemistry aspect. I'm not worried about him not accepting his role. I'm worried about the thought process of the team and overreacting to a one bad loss in the NFL. But typically, I always say it. Um, the the most of, and people get on me about it. Oh, you defend the Eagles. Well, they're good, so I I say they're good. When they're bad, I rip them to high heaven, and people get mad at that. Mm-hmm. They they. To me, they overreacted to one bad loss, and and and. I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, it probably doesn't hurt. It probably doesn't help, to be honest. Because, again, the third receiver in this offense, they can't get the football to Dallas Goddard one week. One week they can't get the football to Devontae Smith. One week they can't get the football to A.J. Brown. Now you got to throw Julio Jones in the mix and the expectations outside the building more than inside the building. Or you got to get Julio involved. But he got to get DeAndre involved. There's still one football. They didn't add a football today. Um, so that part of it doesn't make a ton of sense to me either because, you know, Alameda is just going to sit there. What can he say? You know, Julio Jones. Not And again, not that he's going to say anything, but the outside expectations change because of the big name, the big name trap. Um, and then from the standpoint of I still think they got way more issues on the other side of the football. Way more issues on the other side of the football, um, specifically in the secondary. And they brought Josiah Scott back, which it probably took him too long. And I don't, I don't know because Josiah was hurt. He was out in Pittsburgh, and he was on the practice squad injury list. So maybe that complicated things. But 
if you want to go all the way back to training camp, uh, you can't lose Goodrich. You can't lose. Yeah, yeah, you can because they're going to lose Goodrich today, uh, or at least you know put them on waivers. Maybe. Um, it, it, you know, and and Josiah Scott's back. Why wasn't Josiah here again? Not 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 a devastating decision, but they kept upside instead of a player more prepared to to at least play in a competent fashion uh, right away. So that was probably a bad decision. I just it just smacks of overreaction. That's the best way I can describe it. All right, and it might if you and Nick Sirianni, but it sounds to me like at least you're changing your tune which means I think you believe Nick Sirianni's changing his tune. You just said that. What happened to go from Quez Watkins is this legitimate part of the offense because of his speed that he can actually open things up for other guys, even if he's not the one who's getting the production because he's number three. And if, What happened? It, was this hamstring injury worse than we thought it was? Did uh, a light go on? How did Quez Watkin go in Nick Sirianni's estimation and in part your estimation from a guy who actually fills a role with the Philadelphia Eagles as large or as small as that role may be to a non-factor? Well, he got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt. Uh, and he's gone for four weeks and they brought in Julio Jones. You know, if, 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 if they didn't bring in Julio Jones, he wouldn't be out of, of, of the equation. He would be back when he was healthy because he's better for this offense than Alameda Zacchaeus. He's a better fit for this offense than Alameda Zacchaeus. Now, did they build up the proper depth at, at receiver? That's another thing you could take a shot at, at um, Howie Roseman because they do not have – forget about Quez Watkins and forget a lot about Alameda they don't have anybody behind those guys. You know, if you look around the league um, at practice squads, everybody's got three, four bodies on practice squads because that's a position you need bodies because hamstrings pop up and, you know, soft tissue injuries pop up. And sometimes it's just about practicing more than anything else. You need bodies. That's a That in secondary is a position you need a lot of bodies at. Um, and if you think about who they have on their practice squad, Devin Allen, developmental project, who's a, you know closer to being an Olympic sprinter to an NFL wide receiver. Although, as I said, he's done a nice job on special teams, which is you know give him credit for that. But as a receiver, you don't want him out there. Joseph Nada, he's not ready to play. You don't want him out there. Britton Covey. He's strictly a slot receiver, and let's be honest, he's not even that. Greg Ward, great leader, strictly a slot receiver. I mean, that's bad, Jody. Right, that's so bad. that's why I don't understand why you're questioning Howie here and going, oh, this smacks of uh, big well, name. I'm questioning Howie. I'm questioning him for not having better developmental projects. Right, so don't don't you then – oh, a better de developmental guys. You're right, they didn't. They had a bunch of guys in camp. They didn't like any of them enough to keep them. At some point, you got to let the Devin Allen dream go. He He's he's not some spring chicken. And he no. was here all last year, and now we're year and change, and they refuse to put him out there as a wide receiver. At some point, you got to go, hey, it's not there. That that That's where I'm at. 
That's why I got no problems with a signing of a Julio Jones. My only worry about Julio is, and I'm telling you, it's this much, that he's going to come in and rock the boat. If he I, comes in. I don't even worry about that. If he's perfectly fine, then he's better than all the other options Eagles have. And, yeah, this past week against the Jets, in which they scored 14 points, other than Smith and, and uh, A.J., they didn't have anybody that any team would show any respect to in the wide receiver uh, position. So, yeah, you got to react to that. I'd say good on Howie. I think this is a very good signing. And I'm not telling you, oh, look for Julio to get eight catches this week. Of oh, course yeah. that's not going to happen. He's going to come in. He's going to get some play in time. He'll uh, get a couple of plays where he might be the third option in it. And if he doesn't rock the boat, I think this is a very good signing. And- I, uh, I I think it's a fantasy football signing. I think it's, it's uncharacteristic of the Eagles. You know, another thing I got was, oh, now go get uh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, bring him in, too. Why not? Why yeah, not? they can't even get Rashad Penny off the yeah. bench. What the hell yeah. are you going to do with Leonard Fournette? Well, people now, have already forgot about ridiculous. Rashad Penny. That, that is a play. really fantasy statement. Um, this, is a, this is a signing of me, John. They don't have a signing of me. It's, a, it's a low it, 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 risk signing. So from that perspective, I the only problem I have is the overreaction aspect to it. That's that's my problem. That to me, and you can look at it both ways. I can look at it in a positive glass, this half full, that how he knows this team's a Super Bowl contender. You got to seize the moment and do everything possible. Or you get one bad game. And again, everybody has bad games. San Francisco had a bad game the same exact day. Um, everybody has bad games in this league. They had a bad game last year and they wildly overreact, which I, I, you know, that to me is, is smacks of a little bit of, of desperation. Yeah. Certainly not. The, the reason why I'll cut him slack on that aspect is Quez got hurt and right, wrong or indifferent. And I say wrong. Uh, they believe that Quez brought something to the table. I don't think it was very much. Nick Sirianni at least verbally said it was. Uh, whether he had an enlightening moment or the injury could be more than just three more weeks on top of this, they didn't need. This was, yeah, when they went out and got the two defensive tackles last year, it was because they had a need because Davis got hurt. So they had to react to what they're reacting to. They lost. It was the reacting to a guy who was playing, getting Well, injured. that's why I'm interested. If, if Julio says this was in the pipeline, um, I, I if, if we get to talk to him today, we got to get to Ed, our buddy Ed Kratz. But um, then I don't, I have less of a problem with it. If this was a direct reaction to what went on, what went on against the Jets, I got a problem with it. That's the best way I can describe it. But again, the, the one thing you all know is Howie's the only one who can answer the question. Is well, it Julio because they said. lost or because Quez got hurt? But Julio, you know, it, it, and who knows? Because he's from Alabama, so he gets the Nick Saban. You know, it, may, I, I don't know the guy. So maybe he shuts down. But, you know, if you ask him the right way, he'll probably say, uh, you know, we were we were talking for since, you know, September or whenever. Um, he, he, he knows he'll, he, he might give it up. He might give it up. Uh, uh, it Hopefully he's not listening. And to show. you, you think it's an important thing. What he says, I don't care what I owe to. 
if they need an upgrade at wide receiver and Julio Jones is willing to ring chase here in Philadelphia, I'm glad to have him. It's yeah, the mercenary market is back. It is. And the Eagles are benefiting from it and good for Howie on the signing. Now you're right. And I was going to get to Nada and Ward or whatever. Shame on Howie because he didn't have enough yeah. wide receivers. By the way, Marcus, by the way, deciding yesterday. So this is, I think it's more of a reaction to that than anything else. And that's yeah. on Howie, but it's better to react and correct the problem than just disregard it. Well, that's true. That's true. All right. And Marquez Callaway, bring him in. He's only 25. He caught 47 passes for the Saints at one point. Bring him in, too. Bring everybody in. I'd rather bring in a guy who. And we're going to add a football. We're going to add three footballs. There will be no more adding of footballs. Julio Jones will be. Julio Jones. I'm going to look right into the camera. You can clip this one, Xander. Julio Jones will be better than Quez Watkins. End of conversation. All that matters. Julio Jones will bring more to the table than Quez Watkins ever did. By the way, this is the second-ranked offense in football. And, yeah, Hall of Fame receivers better than Quez Watkins. We can agree on that. Yeah, here's the problem, though. The best offense in football is coming to South Philly this week, which means the Eagles are going to have to score 31 points because the Dolphins are going to score still at least 30, 30 others, and they were better than them. And, uh, you, know, I, uh, you know, let's look at the secondary. Let's do something there. Understood. Uh, but first things first, one week at a time, uh, sports cliche, got to beat the Dolphins. Otherwise, it's a two-game losing streak. So uh, if you got to upgrade the offense this week, upgrade the offense. Doesn't mean you have to be mutually exclusive. Hello, Josiah Scott. Uh, but uh, I got no problems with the Julio Jones side. All right, coming back for more Birds Talk. Holy mackerel. Ed Kratz looking good. My God, he's well-dressed. He's drinking coffee. We'll show you a smiling face in just a second here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a, a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. 
Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in there on Birds 365. Now, here's... A request from your pal, Jody Mack. Hit that like button just because Ed Kratz is on the show. Come on. How can you not love a guy like Ed Kratz? Look at that face. How do you not love Ed Kratz? Hit the like button, all right? Please. Um, hello, well, We got a little Halloween decoration up in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I love this it. season, yeah. Yeah. We have a very sincere pumpkin patch, too, John. If you want to come over, check it out sometime. Yeah, I got to stop by. Just tell me that. that, Just please tell me that. Ed lives like six hours away from me. (laughs) It's unbelievable. All the candy corn you can eat. Come on down. All the candy corn. If you like candy corn, I got a couple bowls full for you. Could have taken you six hours to go uh, 10 blocks in South Philly last night. Yeah. Get some riding in to go to Ed's house. Yeah. I like the plaid there, Ed. You, you're, you're looking ready for the holiday season, too. Uh, appreciate the uh, fact that you dressed up for us. All right. John and I were just debating this before you came on. Um, I, I don't want to put words in John's mouth, but John said he fears this is a name signing, more of a big name trap. Joe big Banner. name trap. Tip. Overreaction to the loss against the Jets. I think the signing of Julio Jones was merited needed and can be helpful give us your evaluation of the announcement that julio jones would be coming in eagle yesterday yeah I, I heard you guys discussing it for the 10 minutes or so i was uh in the green room <laughs> yeah well, sorry uh, about that <laughs> that's fine uh listen i i i'm i don't see any downside here with the signing to julio jones to be honest it, it could be a big name trap i mean howie Certainly did a good job bringing in Linval Joseph and then Domicon Sue last year. You know, you could have said big name trap last year, but those two guys came in and still had plenty left and helped the Eagles get to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying Julio's going to do the same thing. He's 34 years old. It's on the old side for receiver. He's really battled hamstring injuries these last couple of seasons, but I don't see a downside. I mean, I think he can help this team if he can, you know, show that he's healthy and has something left in the tank. And I, and I think he wants to win a ring and I think he'll do whatever he can or whatever the Eagles ask him to do to try to make that happen. And uh, I think the Eagles are smart bringing him in now. I mean, we still have what, two weeks left until the trade deadline. So you're going to get a look 
at Julio Jones and what he can offer you. And and he's only on the practice squad. Now, I know the expectation is he'll be elevated this weekend, but you're not chewing up a roster spot with him. Uh, and you're getting a, a good look at him for two weeks before the deadline. If he's the answer, great. If he's not, then maybe at the trade deadline or closer to the deadline, you say we need another wide receiver because I agree with Jody. They're just not getting anything out of that third receiver spot. And I know the traffic goes through Brown, Smith, and Goddard, and now DeAndre Swift, but you still need production from a third wide receiver to kind of take some of the pressure off these other guys. And uh, Zach Paschal did a good job for them in that role last year. Quez Watkins did a good job a couple years ago, but he showed that he's not the answer. He may have played his last snap uh, with this team. I know he's on IR, but if Julio Jones kind of comes in and wins that job, I, I don't know if Quez will be brought yeah, back. He can't play special teams. so No, so he may have played his last snap if this Julio Jones thing works out. And even if it doesn't, at least they'll have two weeks to figure out if it could. And if it doesn't, then they probably will need to go out and get somebody. But right now, I, I see no downside to it. Yeah, I will freely admit that uh, there's no risk. I mean, you just move on. You turn yeah. the page. I assume he's getting decent money because of his reputation. But yeah. in the long term, who cares? I'm not paying it. You're not paying it. Jody's not paying it. And they yeah. they, they can afford it. So um, the money isn't going to matter. Uh, obviously, it's not going to muck up the salary cap. I, I acknowledge it's low risk. I just... You know, we lived through the dream team with this team. Now this is a very good team. I, I I just don't like you're coming off a bad loss. You're you're top ten in everything on offense. You have the number two. I still think you got I always tell Jody and Jody probably gets sick of it, Nick Sirianni, uh, like pounding you gotta be honest with yourself. And to me, all the issues are on the other side of the football, but they were good technically defensively against the Jets because the Jets are limited at quarterback. And they're worried about the offense, which you can nitpick and say, well, the red zone isn't working and he's got a big body, even though the one knockout went with him when he was great in Atlanta was they never used him in the red zone, which is ironic. Um, the assumption he's going to be a Zach Pascal-like blocker He's always been the guy people are blocking for. Who knows if he can do that? My 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 only point is you got to be honest with yourself. They don't have a lot of problems on offense. Do they have to fix some things? Yes. But they don't have a lot of problems. They have a lot of problems up the middle of that defense. And maybe they couldn't acquire somebody. Maybe they're trying to get Buda Baker. Maybe they're trying to get Jeremy Chin. Maybe they're trying to do this and do that. Uh, my only point is, I don't. It's rare when I think Howie's not being honest with himself. And to me, you already got a howitzer, and you're putting, you know, all right, add Julio Jones. Is he better than Quez Watkins? Yes. Is he going to catch the football if you throw it to him twice a game? Probably. But who cares? Go get, go get, go get something that improves the team, not not improves the. Oh, we got Julio Jones. We got a big name. Let's throw an extra football out there. That's my only point. Who cares? Ed, to to, to quasi-argue John's point, uh, Ed, can we not all agree that Jalen Hurts is not as good this year as he was last year? 
if you if you're committed to this guy for 250 million dollars don't you want to have another reason to explain the drop off for Jalen Hurts other than uh oh Jalen Hurts might not be as good as we paid him to be that's why I think they got a half an eye on the offense and they you're right it's not major and the signing's not major but if you can make an upgrade if you can tweak something why wouldn't you Jalen Hurts is going to dictate how good well this uh, uh, be for can I can I throw I'll throw a devil's advocate to Jody's point off my point and throw it to you, Ed, doesn't this put more pressure on Jalen Hurts? Because now he's got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and Julio Jones, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, even though he's 34 and he's not playing like a first ballot Hall of Famer for the past four years. That kind of gets lost in the sauce. Doesn't that put more pressure? Now I'm I'm talking over Ed again. Do (laughs) you really believe that Jalen Hurts' problem is pressure? No, well, there is no. a, if you go to Jalen Hurts, go listen, Jalen, we can get you an upgrade. Now it's going to upgrade the pressure on you, but we'll get you a more talented player to play with. Do you really think he'd go? Yeah, no, no, no. Don't give me anybody more because I don't want. I, 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 I misspoke. So I'm glad you interrupted Ed. I'll interrupt Ed. Ed's, it, you're getting the day off, Ed. Um, the expectations are increased on Jalen Hurts. How's that? So now it's even more. You get all these knuckleheads, whether it's Chris Sims or whomever. Oh, Jalen Hurts doesn't do this. Jalen Hurts doesn't do that. Now you got it even upgraded because now he's got Julio Jones. And forever, as you know, Jody, way too many people forget about fans. You know, oh, Julio Jones is Julio Jones for the rest of existence. He's in a stasis. He's Julio Jones. Um, Expectations grow is, is the proper proper word. And I, I would again suggest that Jalen Hurts would uh, take on expectations and say, please challenge me. I want the expectations. That's just my read on the kid. Um, but hey, here's the one thing, Ed, we keep forgetting. Welcome home, Josiah Scott. It isn't like how he didn't address the defense at all yesterday. He brought back Josiah Scott. That's huge, is it not? Well, I mean, they cut him at the end of August. I mean, is it huge? I mean, it's a desperation move. Better. It's better. Uh, yeah, I mean, how much is he going to help? I mean, he's just another guy they're going to throw back there. I mean, they've already recycled like 15 guys in that secondary because of injury. Uh, so he's just another guy. I mean, he, he's not the ultimate answer. Yeah, he's competent. Yeah, he knows the system. Yeah, he can come in and play right away. But at what level is he going to play at? I mean, I, I don't know. They didn't think enough of him to keep him. They kept Mario Goodrich over Josiah Scott. And now I guess Goodrich was cut to make room. Uh, for Josiah Scott. So yeah, look, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not putting as much weight on that one as I would Julio Jones, obviously. I mean, Josiah Scott's not a first ballot hall of famer like Julio is, but uh, again, there's a lot of unknowns with Julio and, and uh, whether it puts more pressure on Jalen, I doubt it. I think Jalen's fine with pressure. I mean, I, I don't think anything like that's going to bother him. I don't think he's played the way as well as he did last year to answer the earlier question. I mean, he's already got more interceptions than he had all of last season. Um, you know, maybe defenses are giving him a little different thing to look at. Maybe the Brian Johnson uh, new offensive coordinator is, is impacting him in some way. Uh, but he's clearly not the same player. And, you know, Jeffrey Lurie loves offense, right? So a guy like Julio's out there. You know, you can never have too many guys, too many weapons. And that's kind of what they're hoping. Right, with they should have drafted Bijan, too, Ed. They should have drafted Bijan's awesome, man. I mean, yeah. you see what he's doing. He is now. awesome. Yeah, he's he is a awesome. player. They but they need they need more playmakers. 
Um, well, I mean, you can never have too many playmakers and, and probably Jeffrey Lurie's opinion and a guy like Julio, there's so many unknowns. And again, like I said, it's good they brought him in now. You may as well figure it out now before the trade deadline. You already know you need a safety and Josiah Scott is not going to be the answer at safety. I think I misspoke. By no means do I think Jalen Hurts cares about pressure or expectations. He's proven he's beyond that uh, what i was trying to say is expectations outside the building expectations on the eagles offense i, I I'll, I'll put it this way i already get 10 times a week at, at least and i'm sure you guys get it jody on the radio ed and your comments and things like that brian johnson stinks brian johnson can't do this brian johnson can't do this i already get that 10 times a week conservatively. Um, he's, again, got the second-ranked offense in the NFL uh, through his first six games. The, the, the expectations increase on Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, Kevin Petula, whoever you want to throw in the mix. If this team continues to struggle as the second-ranked offense in the NFL with Julio Jones added to the mix, I don't know. I could see some issues with that when it comes to people not named Jalen Hurts, not living up to expectations. And I don't know. Uh, to me, the juice may not be worthy of the squeeze. Now, Marquez Callaway is 25 years old. Maybe he's a... Uh, Maybe he can't play. Maybe he came in to work out. Maybe he's a bad guy. I know nothing about him. So there could be a hundred reasons why they went with the 34-year-old mercenary ring chaser versus the 25-year-old guy who's caught, you know, almost had 50 receptions with the Saints a couple of years ago, started a bunch of games. Um, there could be a whole host of reasons. But I know Marquez Callaway isn't raising any eyebrows. Julio Jones is raising eyebrows because he's Julio Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know but if he's not any... Julio Jones, if that makes right. sense. I don't think Cowboy is he any better than Quez Watkins? I mean, I, I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe yeah. not. Right. Maybe not. I mean, listen, how he had success again, it comes down to last year when they brought in Joseph and Sue. I mean, and it came in a desperation move. The Eagles had just gotten beat by the, the commanders and you know, they brought in two guys that he thought could stop the run, and it turned out well. You know, they still had something left. So, you know, he's going on that track record to say, I had success doing this last year. Let's see if we can do it again with Julio. I mean, I, again, I, I have zero problem with them signing Julio Jones. I mean, Marquez Callaway, you know, who knows if what you're going to get with him. But And plus, you know, Julio knows A.J. Brown. He, him and Devontae Smith called him the best receiver ever to come out of the University yeah. of Alabama. So, loves them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and A.J. called him a big brother when they were in Tennessee together for that one season. So, you know, it makes sense on those levels. Marcus Galloway is just a guy that no, nobody knows. You bring him in, you know, what's he going to do for you? Yeah, Julio Jones, I think, has more upside potentially. I know he hasn't done much these last few years, but I like him. And I think he can bring something. You know where the pressure is going to come from, Jalen Hurts, is over the right side of that offensive line that is now being manned by backups, you know, Sua Opeta and Jack Driscoll. Yeah. Uh, that's where the pressure is going to come from, you know, over these next couple of weeks if Lane can't play. Well, wait, wait, wait. Timeout Philadelphia. 
aren't there reports out there floating that Lane Johnson may be even capable of playing this week? That the Boy, I don't the buy that. Do you, Ed? Uh, and I'll tell you why I don't buy it, because he had so many issues with the ankle. And I don't know if it's the same ankle or not. I got to clarify that. But um, he had so many issues when he, he first underwent the tightrope surgery, then that turned into reconstructive surgery. He's the toughest guy in the world. He played through a torn adductor last year. But with that ankle, and he constantly talks about it. Yeah. He said the torn adductor was nothing compared to the ankle. Um, is he going to push that in, in one week? I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I you know, the reports are, are out there, of course, but that's based, I think, more on Johnson's toughness and – and the shame of it is, is we won't know today because the Eagles practice and their walkthroughs closed. So we won't know uh, if he was actually on the field or not. I don't think he will be. And, you know, three weeks or three games until the bye. Um, I know that's, you know, three important games here with the Dolphins and then the Commanders again and then the Cowboys. So they would be three really huge games to miss. But then you have the bye after that. So. I'm not saying he's going to miss three games, but I would certainly be surprised if he played one, knowing how tough he is and all. all right. And that's not good. Let me go all conspiracy. Let me get up there on the grassy knoll. Um, <laughs> I like the grassy knoll. I like the a good conspiracy. Eagles are going through walkthrough Wednesday because Nick Sirianni, Mr. Competitive Advantage himself, said, I can't have those media guys in my uh, gathering of the troops. Because let's be honest, uh, you just can't get as much done in a walkthrough as you can in actual practice. So in a week where they're trying guys out, giving guys more chances, dealing with injuries, guys are not going to participate today because you wouldn't want to push them going to a big game on Sunday. The, the reason they're walking through. Now, we're also told that the Eagles have tougher practices and more high-energy practices than anybody else. Yeah, right. Uh, they're going to have this high-energy walkthrough today, I guess. Do you believe that the reason that they're not practicing today is because, yeah, they just don't want anybody to know anything about what's going on behind their closed doors? Yeah, they went to walkthrough Wednesday last year as the season went on. They started doing their walkthroughs on Wednesday. And Nick will tell you that they get a lot done during these walkthroughs. It's week, week seven, right, Ed? Uh, right, week seven. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, so, so we're, we're almost halfway. Next year. next year is week three going to be walk through Wednesday. Because by the way, Doug Peterson started that late in uh, the Super yeah. Bowl season. The he key word there being started. late. Week seven is not late. Anything. Yeah, I thought. Oh, there. I freely admit back then I thought Doug was giving up after Carson got hurt. I thought, oh, all right, they're giving up and they go make the run to the Super Bowl. In this case, I think it's because the Eagles uh, are banged up. That's why I think he's doing it. I mean, he doesn't like us there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't think it has anything to do with, with the media. Here's my conspiracy. A wise man told me, Ed, that uh, very few reporters showed up for coordinator day because the Phillies are knocking the you-know-what out of the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, and they're going to waltz to the World Series. And... And the Eagles play that four for four game in front of the camera, pandering Nick Sirianni wear wear the Phillies cap, but they're number one in this town, and they like to be number one in this town. And how do you get the back page? If anybody read newspapers, sign Julio Jones. 
What do you think of that conspiracy? Too much Billy's uh, impact. Yeah, that, that could be. Um, listen, I was one of those, you know, handful of guys in the coordinator pressers yesterday. And, you know, one of the PR staff asked, uh, where is everybody? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, listen, a lot of guys are doing double duty with the Phillies. And I, I don't think you like that answer. But, uh, you know, Maybe. I mean, maybe that's part of the reason. I mean, that's definitely the grassy knoll right there. Yeah. I, I don't think it is, by the way. I, I just I, I don't either. I, I think yeah. I think it's just a really smart move, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, they have nothing to lose with this signing. Again, we keep talking about Julio, but they really have nothing to lose here by bringing him on board, in my opinion. So, I agree with that. Um, but it, but it, yeah, well. I mean, listen, I don't think. You know, I think that was part of it. The Phillies and, you know, Phillies, they could be in the World Series before the Eagles even play again um, if they go out to Arizona and take care of business. But, yeah, I just I don't know. I think the Phillies do like being the number one team in town. And, you know, they still are. This loss is still sitting with them. And that's why I think they're going to come out and play well on Sunday night. I know they're banged up and their O-lines hurt that right side, especially. They don't have a lot of guys in the secondary. Hopefully Slay can come back. But, you know, this speed that the Dolphins bring in here at the receiver core, you know, James Bradbury's not a speed guy. Darius Slay's not a speed guy anymore. I mean, who are they going to use to keep up with these guys? Uh, you know, when Tyreek Hill is running a deep post pattern, I mean, it's going to be a real challenge, but I think the Eagles will play well. Uh, I, I don't think they like coming in off this loss. Uh, you know, it's really sitting with them. And I think that's what will motivate them to play even better on Sunday. All right. I got a two part question. Ed, I want you to answer first, but John, I need you to chime in as well. Uh, so I'm going to ask the first part then I'm going to follow up. Whose idea was it for Vic Fangio to join the Eagles in the postseason last year to help out advising the offense? I know we went down this before. He didn't come in to do anything with the he advised the offense because he knows how defense stop offense. We go through that whole thing. We don't have to. Just the fact that Fangio was in the building helping out the Philadelphia Eagles. Who do you think made that happen? Uh, probably Jeffrey Lurie or, or Howie Roseman, you know, probably came from above, I would guess. Um, you know, it was just another set of eyes to bring in. And he did more work with the offense than he did the defense. And that's right. kind of an underrated storyline going into yeah, Sunday. And, and Marcus Brady was helping the defense, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Fangio now has eyes on this offensive philosophy that the Eagles bring in. And, you know, that, that could play to the Dolphins' advantage for sure. I mean, he right. knows this organization. I mean, Jonathan Gannon talked to him pretty much. He wasn't on staff, Fangio wasn't, but Gannon yeah. – even Talk though everybody him. said he was right, he never I was. He wasn't. But um, Gannon admitted that he leaned on him. Yeah. You know, maybe once a week, uh, they would talk, and that he usually would, about golf, from what I was told. Well, yeah, <laughs> golf, and <laughs> might have been some football talk to him. Might too. have been some football. Yeah. So listen, that's a that's a big uh, storyline here too. That is a little under the radar, in my opinion. Is the fans? By the way, yeah, the Eagles do this all the time. I give them credit for this. They brought in Marcus Brady, obviously, after he get fired. Now he's officially part of the staff. Marcus, um, Brad Sealy's helping them on special teams. A long time special teams coordinator in this league, um, and it's not official, um, but he was at training camp all the time. Um, and it, guess what? They got a lot better on special teams, um, you know, from from where they were last year. And I don't know if it's all directed to Brad Seeley, but I like the way they bring in people and try to get every advantage possible. Now, 
you know, Vic, he's the guy in NFL defensive circles. Of course, Miami's defense isn't that good uh, statistically. Um, but Sean Desai is the student, and that's his master. Um, how much of an advantage do you think? And Jody brings up he knows the offense, the yeah. Eagles' offense. How much How much advantage do you think he, he brings to the Dolphins? I think he brings quite a bit of advantage. I mean, this is why some teams go out and sign guys, players, to their team a week or two before they play their X team is to maybe try to pick their brain and get as much information from them as they can. I'm sure Fangio, being a coach, is is bringing a lot of information, you know, into those meeting rooms in Miami. No, no question. And, uh, you know, you say, and listen, I like Sean Desai. I mean, I think he's doing a, a, as good a job as you can do having to come in and replace five starters and, you know, with the injuries they've had and the Kobe Dean was out. I mean, he's, he's doing a really nice job in my opinion. I think it was a solid hire. I have no problem with what the size done. So, you know, whether he learned from Fangio or, you know, they, they traded ideas with each other, it, it doesn't matter at this point. It just matters who's going to go out and execute the best. And Fangio could come in with all this information uh, but now it's going to have to go out and they're going to have to, you know, execute it if you're the Dolphins. And they've been executing at a pretty high level uh, these first six weeks. So it's going to be a really, really tall task for the Eagles. So here, here was the question I was going to get to. You guys pretty three quarters of the way already answered my question, but let me focus a little bit more. And I'll use the phrase John used earlier. Was it worth the squeeze to get Vic Fangio? If we could all agree that going into this week, the Dolphins have a little bit of an edge because they've got Fangio and he's got all this information and he's now in uh, on the other sideline for what they got out of him last year on their way to the Super Bowl. Don't forget what the eventual uh, result was. Was it worth it? Well, they didn't win the Super Bowl. So to me, no, it wasn't no. worth it. If you win a Super Bowl, then yeah, it's worth it. Um, but the Eagles knew they were playing the, the Dolphins next year, but they didn't know Vic Fangio would be their defensive coordinator. Right, but so, you knew that there was a chance he was going to land somewhere and you could be facing him. You had to, yeah. you had to at least acknowledge that. Yeah, maybe. And, may, and maybe it helped the Eagles on some level to get to the Super Bowl, but once they got there, it, it didn't work. I mean, they lost. Um, so probably not worth it, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it because you always lose coaches if you're good. I mean, they lost their coordinators. True. Forget about their consultants. So that's kind of baked into it. If you're if you're a good team, you're going to lose coaches, and it it happens all the time. And um, if the Eagles, you know, continue to be good, and let's say they make another Super Bowl run, even if they don't win again, you know, Brian Johnson's probably one and done. He's probably gone, to be honest. So. Um, I don't know about Sean because defensive coaches have a tougher time um, and and he probably needs a little bit more seasoning. But um, offensive guys, the hot offensive guy, they'll hire him right away. Um, so if they're good, they're going to continue to lose coaches anyway. I don't have a problem with it. And they can pick out big Fangio tape from 13 different freaking defenses in this league. They all play the same scheme. So they know what's going on. It's just a matter of, yeah, I, I I think it's worth it. I think when you bring in smart guys, and and Jeffrey Lord deserves credit for that because it is Jeffrey. Uh, you know, a lot of teams will penny pinch when it comes to the coaching staff. He's like, oh, you want to talk to Matt uh, Marcus Brady? Yeah, bring him in. 
Um, he's done it with GMs, John Dorsey. Um, we saw Steve Kime here a bunch. Um, I just mentioned Brad Seeley, um, uh, special teams coordinator. He always does that. that. That's a big advantage the Eagles have with, with an owner like Jeffrey Laurie. I think, I think it's nothing but positive when he does that. Who is the best additional guy? Didn't know he was there. All of a sudden he showed up ever. Best Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob. Out of oh, yeah. nowhere. Jim Bob. Oh, that was, that was what awesome. Jim Bob Cooter doing in the yeah. house? Yeah. We were at, we were at, were you there that day? I think you were there, Ed. Yeah. Remember sitting the, the tent, media the tent. tent yeah. The media tent. The, the, I guess that was the, 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 the end of the COVID days. Cause it was still out front. Um, uh, outside the media office. And we're talking to Nick Sirianni in the middle of the press conference. <laughs> there goes Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> and they're like, Jim Bob. Yeah, where? 15 heads turn. What? what? Yeah. Who? Where? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we, yeah. we were like four weeks into the season. So, yeah. yeah Never was, announced it. And, uh, and nope. by the way, I asked about Brad Seeley. And all I got, I, I, all I got was he's helping out. Um, he might be officially here, but they don't tend to announce those types of things. So who knows? All right, Eddie, last one for me. And again, uh, sorry for getting to you late, but you do look marvelous. Um, <laughs> thank you. One of the things that I noted yesterday when the three or four of you were questioning the uh, coordinators, uh, many less than usual, um, it was a good question, and I couldn't believe the answer that Brian Johnson gave. The Eagles' short passing game, wide receiver screens, uh, throws to the backfield, are an extension of the running game. I couldn't believe Brian Johnson went down the Andy Reid road. Oh, some of our passes are actually runs. No, they're not. Passes are passes and runs are runs. You're asking the offensive linemen to do a different job, okay? And he tried to sell that yesterday, and I was watching the re-air afterwards. I'm going... He's not going there just like Andy Reid. We've dealt with this with Andy Reid for years. Our passing plays are our running plays. Please don't try and pull anybody. Nick, Nick has done that uh, numerous times as well. Um, you know, he says Maybe that because all it's the time. Brian Johnson. It's the first time he ever said it in his position, whatever. Does that annoy you as much as it annoys me, Ed Kratz? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not. It's just you know words to try to get through the question. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it, it is annoying. I mean, it isn't a run. You're right. Offensive linemen do different things on that play. And, uh, you know, it is in terms of what yards it picks up. You throw the ball to DeAndre Swift eight times and you only get, you know, 50 or 60 yards. I mean, it's like three yards of pot. You know, he's only getting like four hey, yards. Hey, it's better than a running game against the Jets. He had, what, nine for 19 or whatever, nine for 18. Um, yeah, hey. it's just, it, it is an annoying answer. And listen, the message is set from Nick Sirianni on down. And we saw Brian Johnson, like John said, allude to these passes, these short passes, these bubble screens are an extension of the run game. We heard him say. And the RPOs, and, don't forget the RPOs. Yeah. And, and, you know, well, at, least, at least the RPO I understand, because there is at least the perception. I got to hate perception, the perception of Quez Waskin speed. But there is actual perception of making the defense undecided. Are you going to hand it off? Or are you going to pull it back? Are you going to throw? Are you going to? I, I buy the RPO as a 
you can look at that after the fact and say it could have been a run play because Jalen could have chosen to give him the ball away and the offensive lineman have to block that way. So I'll buy an RPO. Please don't tell me a bubble screen or wide receiver screen is a running play. Stop it. You can't go there. I I don't think it's a football play. I should. It should be banned. Everybody's worried about the 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 put uh, the tush push. Ban yeah. the bubble screen. That's what I'm on. Ban the bubble see a single We didn't see a single tush push in against the Jets. Yeah. Uh, ugliest yeah. ugliest play in football. The bubble screen. In yeah. My opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the bubble screen either. But well, we saw Quez Watkins take the bubble screen and run out of bounds instead. Yeah, of, that's that's a good job. By you the know. way, I like, I was looking up Brian's quote. I liked he, before he went, those are extensions of the run game. Right before that, he said, it's just space touches, touches in space. I like that, space touches. I might steal that from well, Brian. That's right. That's it, what it is. And you know what? A running play is not a space touch. So space if it's space touch. touch, how the hell is it a running play? Stop. I like it. I Don't like go that there. One. You might like it, but it doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. All right, Ed Kratz. Are the Eagles going to five and two? And if so, we're we're getting a little reception here from our streamers on our feed and not happy. And nobody's in a blatant panic mode, but there's some dissension. I will say that. There's some panic. How how bad will it get if they get beat by the best offensive football this week? Well, I mean, listen, a lot of teams have been beat by the best offense in football. Um, and I with the way the Eagles secondary is right now, it's really hard you know, logically to pick the Eagles to win this game. I mean, this is this is going to have to be like a rabbit out of the hat if you're Sean Desai, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson. They're going to have to outscore the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins give up a lot of points. They score a lot of points, but they give up a lot of points. The Eagles coming in off of a 14-point game against the good New York Jets defense. That's a concern. Three interceptions, uh, four turnovers. The Eagles can't turn the ball over. They're doing a terrible job at protecting the football. They're minus one now in the turnover ratio. Last year, after six games, they were plus 12. Uh, but they haven't gotten a turnover in three weeks. Two will throw it to you if you pressure them. Yeah, he interceptions. So the Eagles are going to have to get a turnover. They're going to have to get some turnovers to stop Miami, but also give your offense as good a field position as you can give them. Uh, that's been lacking. If the Eagles can do that, they can find a way to win this game. And, again, they're going to have to control the ball with a running game. It was criminal that they didn't run the ball against the Jets defense that was ranked 29th in the league. I don't know why. They they just they threw it like 12 times out of on their first drive. I mean, they A just lot of space no, touches, Ed. A lot of space, space touches. touches. Yeah, yeah. Extensions right. of the running game. Yeah, but they, they have the to control game. the clock with the run game. No space touches. I mean, you gotta you got to control the clock, keep that Miami offense – you know, on the field, and the Eagles do a good job most of the time with time of position. They had more of the ball more against the Jets than yeah, the Jets had the ball. They do so, a good job. I don't know. Right. It's a tough Can task. I, I'd have a hard time taking the Eagles right now, to be honest, and to win this game. Fair, fair enough, and we're asking you to do so on a Wednesday before a Sunday game, so thank you for at least giving us a leaning because neither John or I are ready to make a pick on this game. We've got till Friday to do so. But I will note this, and I want to thank someone here on the stream. I didn't note whose name it was. But they made a good point. I hadn't even realized it. The Dolphins, five wins. Oh, terrible teams. Terrible. The Giants, who have yeah. one win. The Broncos, who have one win. The Panthers, who have no wins. Yeah. And another team that's only got one win. They, they, and, they, and, and the one time they played on the road, 
against a good team. They got boat raced by the Buffalo Bills. Right. Yeah, I don't think this team is as good as they look on paper. Their, their schedule, their schedule, schedule per- came up easy early, so yeah. their five and one could be slightly misleading. That's yeah. that's and, my optimistic thought for the Eagles today. Well, Thanks whoever put that on the stream said they haven't beat anybody. Yeah, kind of right. The only real now the Eagles the got a lot of that last year. The only thing you can do is play who's in front of you, and they've right. been beating these teams like a drum. So I'm not saying they're a bad team, but yeah, they've beaten nobody. They, well, listen, yeah, here's another thing is, you know, they're wearing their Kelly greens. I mean, let's not overestimate or underestimate. Yeah, that's when like Notre Dame good, showing up in the green. That's when big. you look good, you play good. And the yeah. Eagles feel like they're going to be looking mighty good in that Kelly green. Uh, so yeah. don't underestimate that intangible. I think for Notre those, Dame always loses when they for those For those here. of us who like the Kelly Green, it's probably not a good thing that the Dolphin offense is going to put up 35 points against it. Uh, we might not see Kelly Green again until 2046. Unless uh, 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 at Kratz E, make sure you follow Ed on uh, Twitter, X, uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Does a tremendous job there. You can read them. Uh, yeah, I don't think that Kelly Green is going to slow Tyreek Hill down. I think he's going to run by people just as quickly in the midnight green as the Kelly Green. So you might you might even notice him running by the Eagles' defensive backfields more while they wear the Kelly Green. Not good. Zone. Right, a lot of zone this week. Zone to deal with the Dolphins' space touches, by the and way. And pass rush. Pass rush. Yeah. You got to get after Tua. Yeah. Somehow Tyreek Hill seems to get wide open against his own, too. He is just that difficult to cover. That's Eddie Kratz, a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, hey, pal. Thanks, fellas. Uh, give give Casper a friendly ghost our regards there over your shoulder. Uh, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We've got uh, Mike Gill joining us in less than uh, 20 minutes from now. Uh, usually we'd Gill early. We're going to go Gill hour number two. Coming back here with more Birds 365 next. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Got John McBone and Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac here with Young Birds 365. We're continuing to evaluate Eagles roster moves, get ready for the Dolphins this of, week. By the way, we didn't even bring up Tyre Phillips, is back to the Giants and uh, a lot of movements. Uh, Lou Nichols is here, the great new, the former uh, rushing champion in uh, uh, FBS football at Central Michigan. He's here. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of movements. Uh, see, now that you got to explain to me, they've done that roster churn with the running backs off the practice squad on the practice squad and the like, for me, nothing has changed with the running backs. They've got a running back under contract who can't get on the field to save his life. Who (laughs) doesn't get activated on Sundays. Just you, you saw something. It's probably better. Well, I mean, that's practice squad. So, in the case of Lou Nichols, he takes Bryant Kobach's uh, slots, right? Uh, who was here for a couple weeks. Um, so they like got enough better. of a look in their walkthroughs to know that Brian Kobach's can't cut it. So, let's turn in somebody well, else. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, the Eagles. Like I said, before they signed this week, before they signed Julio, they, they had worked out Marquez Callaway and uh, Desmond Patman. Um, they do that almost every week. They they work out a few players. You remember back when they were looking for a punter, they brought Mann in earlier than they signed him. They brought Nichols in last week, um, so they got a look at him. Um, yeah, you just try to improve. Uh, everybody churns the back end of the practice squad, uh, generally around the league, and the Eagles are no different. If you think you got a guy who's got a little bit of a better opportunity, you take a shot and might turn into nothing, uh, might turn into something down the road. Um, Tiger Phillips was a little bit more interesting to me. One, he's a former third round pick. Um, so, there's some skill there, or at least there should have been. And, you know, Jack didn't play well. Jack Driscoll didn't play well. And you start to ask yourself, could they look at Brett Johnson at right tackle? Could they look at Tyler Steen at right tackle? Could they look at Tyre Phillips at right tackle? Because that's his natural position. Um, well, they can't look at Tyre because the Giants signed him um, off the Eagles practice squad. So. Um, 
and and the Eagles got him from the Giants, by the way. So it's a little back and forth. Um, Giants had some injuries and they signed him. Right. Um, and uh, one other thing that I noted in the coordinators uh, uh, session yesterday, they asked uh, Brian Johnson about Jack Driscoll and uh, is is he going to start? Are you going to have flexibility? Uh, how are you going to handle that going forward if Lane can't come back? And almost word for word, he said exactly what Nick said. Yeah. Jack has played big games for us. Jack has done the job for it. It was almost like remove and insert exact quote from a different uh, voice yeah. for that one. Uh, so they, they do every once in a while do company line that the Nick sets the standard. Yeah. Well, I asked Ed, Ed asked that question because I asked Ed, I had a late uh, appointment I had to go to. So I missed uh, Ryan Johnson and uh, I asked Ed to ask the question about Jack Driscoll because I had, working on the story i asked nick about it um he's kind of mad i said yesterday on the show said you played all this 11 personnel he's like well we chipped with the running back we chipped with the wide receiver and they did but it didn't work not much um and you know so i told him to ask brian johnson and i knew it would be the exact same answer oh Oh, they look they look at the transcripts they look at the transcripts almost word for word nick had said the day before and I'll tell you, that's why I said when we go all the way back to who you to blame more, Nick has everybody on the same stinking page, man. So when whenever you're in doubt of who's to blame or who's to get credit, works both ways. Nick's got a firm grasp on his coaching staff. It's 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 Nick. It's Nick. So then let me ask you this. Last year, on the way to the Super Bowl, Shane Steichen call him plays. He gets hired. He's not the play caller. He's the offense coordinator, but he's not the play caller. And into the first season, Nick goes, yeah, we're kind of struggling. Man, I just got to change something. Shane, you take over the play call, and I'm going to give it up, and I'm going to say I need to be in control of the entire – I'm mean, not paying enough attention to the defense. And it was a good thing then, and it paid major dividends the year after. Brian Johnson doesn't get the same. He's got to earn that status in Nick's mind as the offensive play caller that he's just, when he's calling the plays, you believe that he's doing exactly what Nick told him to do. Oh yeah. But I believe, no, he's got the exact same, same thing happened with Shane. Shane's only doing what Nick wants him to do. Um, Same thing. Now, Shane, as I said, had a, a great field. Now, I'm not saying he micromanages every play, Nick Sirianni, although he's managing, he's micromanaging something coming out of a two-minute warning. He certainly is when he had that extra time. Um, everything is set up during the week, you know. So, I mean, that's what they do during the week when they game plan. So you have third down situations, red zone situations, you know, it's not like you're pulling it out of the air. You know, this, this, this is the situation we want to run this in this situation. And they lay it out as completely as possible. So it's bang, bang, bang. Um, And you might have to choose between two, three different plays. Um, And Nick, as Nick will say, and he has said, um, 
as long as he's here, it's his offense. And whoever is calling the plays, it's his offense. And he's making it very clear of what he wants. He did not, I think that's, he did not give up play calling because they were struggling. He gave up play calling because he did not like how he was managing games. He he was making mistakes in game management. And he did not like it. And he wanted to be uh, honed in on that. And that's why he gave up the play calling. Um, and he trusts Shane Steichen. And he trusts Brian Johnson now. He had a longer relationship with Shane, obviously. Um, but he was very clear. When he was talking about it in the offseason with us, before training camp started, he does a, a big sort of get-together with us. And he said, flat out, as long as I'm here, it's always going to be my offense. So whether it's Brian Johnson, Shane Steichen, um, uh, Kevin Petullo, Alex Tanney down the road, maybe, it's always going to be the same offense. It's always going to be my offense. It's always going to be what I want done. Um, And Brian has the same autonomy Shane Steichen did um, because – he doesn't want it. And that's why you say, will he take back the play calling? Absolutely not. Now, that's not to say if somebody, if he thinks somebody's doing a bad job, he might turn to Kevin Petullo or he might turn to Alex Tanny, but he's not taking back the play calling because he wants to manage the entire football team. And I like that. You know, I've always been yeah, a CEO, CEO coach. coach. Yeah, yeah, you and I both agree on that. If you've got some, if you're smart enough, if you've got a good enough organization, and that cer- cer- certainly is going to include Howie on the building of the coaching staff along with Nick. And you and I have said this many a time, seemed like Nick had a lot more input, unquestioned input on his staff than a guy who had won the Super Bowl previously, Doug Peterson did. So it's kind of a difficult thing to figure out. But uh, I'm, I'm in a good place right now with the, the, the relationship between Howie and Nick as far as uh, putting a coaching staff together and how they all relate. Uh, I'm with you on this. Uh, Nick will do what's right for the Eagles and what's right for him. And if that's as the CEO coach, which you and I both like, then that's the way it should stay here in Philadelphia. All right, uh, quickie timeout. We're expecting Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN Radio down the shore, the host of the Sports Bash which oftentimes punch up John McMullen as a guest. Smart uh, booking by Mike Gill, as a matter of fact. Uh, Gill coming up next here on Birds 365. Stay right where you're at. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Appreciate you getting in with us here on Birds 365. You got Mac Mac and Mike Gill from down the shore, 97.3. Got the nice little banner over his right shoulder. Tell you where to find him later on this afternoon. But not going t-shirt. He's got uh, some kind of sweat outfit on today. What are you going working out afterwards, Gill? Three quarters zip, Jody. Just a three quarters zip, man. It's all like an air conditioner blasting from. I'm in the studio. Yeah. It's getting cool, man. You got to bring out the three quarters zip. Yeah. yeah, I'm the king of the quarter zip down here, Jody. All right, mm. didn't know that. I just uh, know about the t-shirts. That uh, well, now that we're in the fall, I'll have yeah, a got a, too chilly, too chilly in the the 97.3 ESPN studio. It's Kind of chilly for the Eagles this week, Mike, because they laid an egg at MetLife Stadium. By the way, a little bit house of horrors for Jalen Hurts. The last time he threw three interceptions was that game at MetLife Stadium against the Giants where he got hurt. Jalen, That was the Jalen Rager game when he missed the two, uh, dropped the two passes late. Now he throws three interceptions again. Um and now the Eagles are worried about the offense, and they bring in Julio Jones. Your thoughts? Yeah, you were on the air when it happened yesterday. In yeah. fact, you told me I didn't even see the news yet, and you said breaking news as it was happening. Um, hey, listen, I mean, obviously, you know, last year when they gave up a lot of yards on the ground in that game against Washington, they went out and got two veteran players because they saw a deficient area in stopping the run. They must say, we are struggling in the red zone. And here's a veteran player who is a big-bodied target that maybe could help us put some points up in the red zone. I don't know where they're going to play him. I mean, it hasn't really been a slot guy ever. Um, are they going to just kind of say, hey, get your body in the slot and just become a, a target? I don't. That part doesn't make a lot of sense. But if they say, look, we're deficient in the red zone, here's a guy who can help us there, that would probably be – the reasoning, but I just don't see the the. Fit. By the way, that's the one thing he didn't do in Atlanta was was excel in the red zone. 
Like when he was the best receiver in football, they never used him right in the red zone. And I'll ask both of you guys. They already got two big bodies they don't use. So now they're going to have three big bodies they don't use in the red zone? Yeah. They already got A.J. in Dallas. That's why it's a little, like you said, like somebody said to me, oh, just throw it up to him. He's a big guy. Well, you got A.J. Brown, you can just throw it up to. Right. You got Devonta Smith, you can run a slant probably eight times out of ten and connect there. You've got Dallas Goddard, who's a great target. And by the way, they don't want to throw him the ball more than three yards over the line of scrimmage. So when you're in the red zone, he'd be a guy to maybe give the ball. I hate how they're using Goddard, by the way. And, oh, by the way, uh, and this will uh, both uh, put smiles on people's faces and annoy the snot out of others. Julio Jones' most memorable play to me, just me, not anybody, I'm not talking about his entire career to me, Yeah, is dropping a ball in the end zone against the Eagles. Yeah. By the uh, way, so if that's what they're getting him for is the red zone because he's going to come down with the – we've got evidence that he doesn't do it right here at Lincoln Financial Field. So Three? why they I think I believe, it's a whole other thing. Anybody I, 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 I believe. No, that's because Julio Jones is an upgrade at the third wide receiver spot, which was Howie Roseman's job yesterday, and he did his job. And that's a bit – and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because I'm getting old, but – that was the divisional round of the playoffs before the NFC championship game where they blew out the Vikings. Correct. The Falcons almost beat them. Yeah. They had the Julio ball. Julio catches the ball and they lose the game. I oh, believe, and it was a catchable ball. I believe they threw it three straight times to Julio in the red zone. They did, yeah. And that team, that that um um Falcons team had been yeah. in the Super Bowl, what, in 16. So that was like a team that had hit. That was the a Super good team. Bowl. They yeah. lost the, the, the 28 to three lead. And this was like their next group of coming back, trying to get back there. Yeah. So this was a good team. And he was a, for 10 years. Oh, he was the best receiver player oh, over that man. 10 years. Now last year, I will say had a lousy year for Tampa, but in the playoffs, he did get seven of 11 targets for 74 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys in the wild card game. So I don't yeah, know, but that was a blowout. I think it was 24, nothing at some, at, at a certain point. And I know we caught a touchdown. Um, nice catch, but you know, some garbage time there. Um, right. Well, my point is in Tennessee, he had been banged up last year, banged up maybe by the end. Could he be somewhat productive? I don't see it. I'm just looking for the people out there. John has this thing when a big name player gets released. Hashtag no. <laughs> be a hashtag no for most of us out there, I think. Like Julio Jones six years ago, you would have been like, whoa, we got Julio Jones. Now it's eh, not really. No, yeah. If you're if you're on the same train with John, you we're 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 not riding together today, Gil. I think it's good signing. Positively good signing. Well, I don't yeah. think uh, uh, let me add, because uh, I said this, but I know. I don't think anything bad is going to come of it. I just think it's nothing, basically. It's a bunch of yeah, nothing. I, would say, I don't question them or chastise them. I just don't have excitement for it. If it pans out, great. But I'm not saying because they signed Julio Jones, they have fixed the problem and they are now better for yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. I like well, the way Mike described it. And that, that is not the way I would look at it. Here's how I would look at it. Does it have a better chance to be a plus or a minus? If the answer is plus, then it's a good thing. It's got to be thumbs up. 
if you believe that he will make a play here or there, keep your expectations what they should be. He's the third wide receiver on a team that's got a tight end that you want to get the ball to. So he's the fourth choice in the passing game. If you keep those expectations, what they're supposed to be, I don't see how there can be a downside to this. I would say this is Robert Quinn, a guy who at one point oh had a Oh, my God. You think he's going to suck? And when you he think Julio he, Jones is no, going to suck? Because Robert tough. Quinn sucked. Well, yeah, Note to Mike Gill, in case you missed it, Robert Quinn did nothing. Yeah, well, that's what I'm nothing. Not that he sucked. He did incomplete. Nothing. He did nothing. You made a trade for a guy who had double-digit sacks the year before. You were like, if this guy has anything left in the tank, unbelievable trade. He had nothing in the tank and made no impact. He didn't have a bad impact or a good impact. He had no impact. No, I'll, I'll give you that. John, would you say Robert Quinn was uh, positive or a negative last year? Uh, neither. Nothing. You think it was never, nothing, too? Nothing, oh, see, I nothing. call that a I call that a loss. Nothing. That's not, uh, well, uh, uh, he took I mean, up snaps of other guys who actually could have played. And he got zero accomplished. Now, I, no, I don't think he was taking. Up, I don't think he was taking up snaps that no. others could have played. In fact, the reason they traded for him is because they gave the young guy Patrick Johnson opportunity, and he didn't do anything with it basically. And then they went Robert, out and got did Robert more than Quinn. Quinn. Eh, I don't think he did. But I mean, either way, it was a net nothing, and that's kind of what I I say here. It's not going to hurt the Eagles, but I don't think it's going to help them that much. I'll say this, and because I'm saying this off the top of my head, I don't even know. Are there any other 34-year-old good receivers in the NFL right now? I I I can't I think yesterday, of one. I said yesterday, and and look, I see people in the chat saying that he's a good blocker. Look, I brought this up to you, John. I can't vouch for that. Is he a good? Yeah, blocker I can't vouch this? for that. If he's a good blocker down yeah. the field, and they're struggling because I think with with what they're doing, their receivers block down the field. It's not I did working. look at his PFF numbers. He, he he's okay with his PFF numbers, but and I he was the guy. He was the guy people were blocking for, like. Was he good in his role? Like like Devontae Smith, remember the big yards after catch, A.J. Brown, the great touchdown run, Olamide, Devontae Smith uh, against uh, Washington. Um, they both had great blocking uh, downfield. They both did a really good job to allow A.J. to get in the end zone. That's not like Zach Pascal. I think maybe he was good at that. But he was the guy people were blocking for. So, because I got a bunch of that, Mike. Well, he'll be Zach Pascal. But th- th- no, he was the guy people were blocking for. He yeah. was not the guy to open up the space touch, as Brian Johnson would say. He was. He's never been that guy. Can he do it? Maybe, but I don't know. I can't vouch for that. I can't vouch for that. I mentioned yesterday, and he never played this role before, but, like, the only 34-year-old receiver that I can think of that was a productive guy, you're you're looking at guys like, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden, and those guys were slot receivers who were not Julio Jones in their primes. They were who they were, but just a lesser version of them, but still productive late. If he transforms his – 
what he was to, to become like Frank Tanana. Is he going to be a fastball and then all of a sudden become <laughs> a junk baller? Yeah. I don't see that happening. There's a baseball reference for you, Jody. You like, like that? Frank good. Tanana. Yes. Great, great pitcher. Uh, by <laughs> the way, Adam Frank Thielen. Frank Tanana Dacry. Uh, Adam Thielen him. is 33. He's having a really good season, but he's on the 0-6 Panthers. So I always use that 20-point score on a bad NBA team. All right, so I'm going to catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, All right, but here's what I'll say, John, about and You said it earlier. Mike Gill just said it now. The comparisons between uh, Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal. Can he be as good a blocking wide receiver? I got no idea. Zach was really good. But is it more accurate to compare what the Eagles did last year to what they're doing now or to what he's going to be asked to do this year in comparison to who's done it to this point? Because last year, uh, earlier in the show, John was talking about uh, comparing something this year. Oh, the Eagles, number two defense in the national. Uh, two national offense, football. number two number offense. Number two offense. Yeah. But do, are they, is it more insightful to compare them to the other teams in the NFL this year or to last year's Eagles team? Right. You can do I, it either way. That's an interesting. We So I've talked about this on my show this week, guys. And, and the Dolphins average almost 500 yards a game of offense they're number one the eagles are number two they're over a hundred yards a game yeah, amazing game behind them right. so my question is this you've got tyree kill and waddle the eagles have aj brown and smith you've got a better offensive line you might like Tua. you might like hurts i don't know that there's a discernible difference in, in who you would pick the running backs for them are all banged up pick anyone you want Mostert, a chain uh whoever's going to play jeff wilson the Eagles running backs, I think you like Swift. You like the Eagles offensive line a hell of a lot better than their offensive line. Why are they the high-flying Dolphins and you look like this? Yeah, I think you undersold what most Boy, of them the expectations, and that's what I brought up. And, I, you know, Jody already heard it, so I'll throw it at you as well, Mike. I mean, the expectations for this team are so outrageous to begin with. And now you bring in a first ballot Hall of Famer who is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's not playing like that now at age 34. Well, it, it, here, here's the numbers, and I give Ruben Frank, our friend, credit, because Ruben compiled it. I saw this, yep. Yeah, 2022, 147 points. They're at 148 through six games this year. One point more. They have three more yards, 2367 to 2370. They have uh, three less first downs, 144 to uh, – no, one less. I'm sorry, 144 to 143. But they're converting at a higher level, 51 to 44%. Yards per play, 5.6, exactly the same. It's kind of eerie. Now, Rube also broke down – they averaged 24.5 points through six games with the sixth-ranked red zone offense. This year, they're averaging 24.7 points up with the number 23-ranked red zone offense. If they were just average, they'd be at about 30 points a game in the red zone. Yeah. They've been – everybody is good on offense, but nobody well realize and, and it or understands it. A listener made the point to me when I brought up this comparison – 
And obviously everybody says they're coached better. They have a more creative offense. And his point was with the talent that the Eagles have, shouldn't they be almost historic like the Dolphins are with their offense? Their talent offensively is every bit as good as the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are a hundred yards a game better than you. And they're 12 points a game better than you. Should you be a better offense, even though your offense statistically speaking is similar to the one that was very good last year, fair or unfair? It's, it's definitely fair, but here's one thing none of us have discussed yet. At least since Mike came up, there's no Lane Johnson. Unless there's going to be Lane Johnson. I don't know if Lane Johnson is going to play yet on Sunday, but people are saying there's a possibility he's going to play. I saw the second half of the game after Lane Johnson went out. It was not good. So if you're going to take a step back because you don't have Lane Johnson, you're going to plug in Driscoll. Hopefully he holds up. I don't know if he will. Can we make it up somewhere else? If we're going to take a step back at that key offensive position, how, other than crossing our fingers that Jack Driscoll plays better than he did last week, how are you going to make it up? That's a question that the offense has to ponder going into this game against the Dolphins. Because guess what? With or without Carter, with or without Blankenship, the Dolphins are putting up 30 this week. So you have to be able to put up 31. Can the Eagles put up 31 points this week without Lane Johnson? Well, I'll tell you this. The Dolphins and the Eagles have a couple <laughs> things in common. They haven't played anybody other than Buffalo, and Miami got blasted by Buffalo. They couldn't score. They couldn't move the ball. They did nothing. They have done their offensive shenanigans against the Giants of the world, the Patriots. Yeah. Actually, the Patriots, they didn't score that much against Denver. Denver. They scored 70 points against Denver. They I scored mean. 70 against Denver. So Miami – has been doing this you know, last year. The Eagles were the victim of, you haven't played anybody. Well, Miami is now the victim of, they're not the victim of this. They're getting praised for because they have, they're doing what college teams do. You play a bad team and you get style points for it. And now you're great. They're getting style points against bad teams. When they played the Bills, not so fast, my friend, Lee Corso. So Buffalo showed, <laughs> that their defense can slow you down, the Miami offense down. Now, the question yeah, is – and, and by the way, so did New England. And right. by the Ooh. way, they still have to play the Jets twice, and they have to play Buffalo once more. That number's coming down, those 500 yards you mentioned. They have they have beaten up, and they deserve credit for it. They They're should. playing bad teams, and they've beaten up on bad teams. Uh, Carolina. They beat Carolina last week, another yeah. awful defense. Um. Jody said you're going to have to score 31 points. Are you? Buffalo held them to 20, and the Patriots held them to 17. Yeah. I don't think it's a beat accompli. They're just going to roll in in this environment and put up huge points. Although I am concerned with the Eagles. Second. Yeah, they're, they're averaging 35, and Eagles defense is beat up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm putting it, I'm sliding the Dolphins in for a 30 spot right here, right now. Interestingly enough, though, guys, Jody, were you at the game on Sunday? Okay. So, interestingly enough, I've made it to Wednesday. Well, I haven't had my show yet today, but I've gotten to this far of the week. Now, I know the Phillies mixed in, so maybe we're not as micro on the Eagles, but the Eagles defense, no one has talked about the game that they played and the role that they had in that game, if any. 
right? Good. Exactly. It's meaningless. So as banged up as they were, now I know it's Zach Wilson and the Jets, and you almost say, yeah. well, it's Zach Wilson and the Jets. What did you expect? The Eagles defense played very well in that game without Darius Slay and Jalen Carter. Now, I don't know the status of those guys moving forward here. Um, and obviously, Roby getting hurt, that doesn't help the, the cause. I would be concerned just like John. I think this is a matchup problem. You got Hill, a mover and shaker. Who's going to defend him? I think you got big problems there. I think Waddle's another huge problem because Bradbury's got to be on one of them, and I don't like the matchup with Bradbury against him. Well, we'll learn more today. I mean, the the hope is Slay will be back and Carter will be back, and then I think everything looks a little bit rosier. Even if you get Sidney Brown back, we'll see. Uh, And who knows about Reed Blankenship? I don't think he's going to play, but that's just early speculation. Um. The yeah, weakness of the Dolphins spot. You're leaking oil at that safety. Yeah, but but the weakness of the Dolphins, if they have a weakness, is their offensive line. And again, if you have Jalen Carter back, and they sort of, for lack of a better term, rested him uh, to make sure he was a hundred percent or as close to a hundred percent as possible for the Dolphins. If that pass rush gets going, that mask a lot of that's. The whole plan of the Eagles defense, mask deficiencies on the back end with that pass rush. If that pass rush gets home, yeah, they could stop. They could do some things against the Dolphins. But who, I, uh, I, I, I didn't look this up. Who's been sacked more this year, Jalen or Tua? Uh, I don't know. I would assume Jalen because he tries to extend plays more. Uh, but, you know, so sack, again, you and I disagree on sacks. I mean, there's so many. A mobile quarterbacks get sacked a lot because they're trying to Lamar Jackson gets sacked a lot. Maybe the most mobile quarterback of all time because he's trying to extend plays. Uh, guys who get the football out of their hands don't get sacked a lot. Pete Manning was sacked six yeah. times all year. Yeah, he gets. So, so the Eagles pressure up front is not going to end in sacks. It doesn't matter. The ball out if. Does not matter. It does matter when he's got a chance to set the all-time passing record for most yards in the season, John. Did Jermaine Johnson get a sack last week when he got his pressure on Jalen Hurts? When he when he hit his arm? No. What happened? Hit his was arm. It was an susceptible. The, 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 the Eagles are second in the NFL in pressures to San Francisco. Both of those teams defensively have the most best defensive fronts in the league pressure matters is yeah. Tua going to get the football out yeah and he's that's another get the thing you, out. by the way Jalen Hurts has been sacked 14 times so 14 6 14 6 uh, not close no but I will say what John mentioned Tua and the Dolphins offense what makes them so high flying is Tua gets the ball to these guys in quick space and they are tough to space tackle touches. yeah I mean you get Tyree Kill one-on-one and he catches that ball, he's making guys miss, he's getting up the field, and next thing you know, Tua's got 30 yards on a play that he threw the ball six yards down the field. And, oh, by the way, we all expect the Eagles to play Fangio defense, which means none up on the wide receivers, try and limit the... the, Tua's not going to get touched this week either. It's going to be two seconds out of his hand, complete the waddle, complete the uh, Tyreek Hill... And we'll see if the Eagles can come up and tackle Look, him. Anybody who wants the Eagles to play press coverage on on Tyreek Hill should be uh, sent to a sanitarium. I mean, 
you don't play press coverage on that guy. Um, it, it, so, yeah, I get frustrated by how the Eagles play defense uh, all the time. And I hate the big Fangio scheme. I say it all the time. Against Tyreek Hill, yeah, you don't play press coverage uh, unless you don't know anything about defensive football. You're going to get beaten like a drum, like a drum. Um, that's well, you remember the yeah. game Tyreek Hill had against the Eagles in his last game as a Chief. I think he had like 200 yards. I feel like yeah. they could not tackle him at all. Um, and that's the problem with this with with the offense this week that you're facing is. The Eagles' defense likes to let you catch the ball in space, and then the predication is they're going to make the tackle. Trying to tackle these guys is the problem. That's why I'm telling you I'm putting in a 30 spot for the Eagles. If they win this game, they're going to have to win it above 31 points. I think that the Dolphins are going to score 30 points without much of a problem. All right, uh, Mike Gill, I got a West Virginia question for you. What happened? They're cruising along. They're 4-1. They're kind of flying under the radar. Got beat by Houston. And I know Houston's had some good teams of late. This year, not so much making the move to the Big 12. What happened to your Mountaineers last Well, I, what happened was West Virginia scored late in the game to take the lead with like 10 seconds left. The guy takes his helmet off when they scored the touchdown. Nah. Get the penalty. They have to kick the ball from 15 yards back. They kick it off. Houston gets the ball at the 40. They run a Hail Mary and full of grace. They caught it and won the game. Uh, I did not know that. I'm sorry to tough, bring that that's up. That's, that's just not night right. Is, I'm, I'm, I, I'm by the way, apologetic to rub salt in that wound. It was my on Thursday. It was Thursday night against the Phillies game. So you had that game on. Yeah, I wasn't watching on. West Virginia on Thursday yeah. night. That is, not against the Phillies. No chance, no shot. No, my, my apologies. By the way, it was Kansas City a couple weeks ago because everybody's focused on Kansas City gets all the breaks from the officials. I hate people who complain about officials, but I hear that every week. Kansas City's getting all the breaks from the officials. Uh, they they got a, a pass. I, I It was a late-game pass interference call that they picked up, and the guy who did it ripped his helmet off on the field. So it should have been a personal foul, and they give, did give the Chiefs a break. They said, hey, dude, put on your helmet. They didn't want to throw the flag. Jeez. So for once, they did give the Chiefs uh, a bit of a break. And I'm sorry, I talked about this with John on Monday, and he explained it, and I acknowledge that he knows what he's talking about. He's right. It's got to friggin' change. The block that Reed Blankenship got hurt on the other night, there's no way that should be a penalty. I get it. The way that they've defined it in the NFL, if you're coming back upfield, you're basically not allowed to touch anybody. That's why he had gotten even with him. He was at, in a parallel with him, and he just flat out flattened Reed Blankenship. There's no way in my NFL that that should be a penalty. Yeah. And it yeah. was uh, John. Well, Sanks we're going to flag football. I never you called it. We're going to flag football. Years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, no peelback blocks. I, it's interesting, though. Down. Tom Brady came out and said, you know, he, he I guess now that he's watching the game as a fan saying that this is flag football and it's yeah, tough it's for awful. Fans to it's watch. awful. It, it really is. It's a bad product, but nobody recognizes it because um, I don't know. So so many of the games are one score close. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it's a very I, violent game. I have this discussion all the time. If if you want to ban the sport, I'll have that discussion. I think that's at least above board. 
to assume you could make a violent sport not violent is is goofy. So then you just start affecting the 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 play on the field, the actual game, and it's yeah, it's Tom's right. It's, I, uh, and either four. one of you two guys can explain this one to me because I don't quite get it. They're thinking about banning the hip drop tackle. How do you determine what is or isn't a yeah. hip drop tackle? Well, that's uh, another yeah, problem yeah. now. You are putting more over legislation yeah. into the referee's hands. You've already got them making decisions on, oh, they, you know, there's nothing. It's just their opinion, whether or not they think this is something right. or not. Subjective, now, yes. Yes. Yeah. So you're putting another subjective potential call to get them more scorn. I don't know why you're putting more uh, possible scorn on these. And that's guys. why, Mike. Mike, you and I have talked about that for a lot. When people say uh, they they're angry at the officials, they're generally angry at the legislation, not the officials. In well, other words, like, what Jody's saying, that's a proper call for what they're told to do. Right. But Jody doesn't like the rule. Yeah, don't no, I, I, I don't like the rule, rule either. Right. So, don't shoot the messenger essentially. Yes. It's what I said last year, you know, with, with John Gannon and the Eagles for the league. It don't you don't like you don't dislike John Gannon. You just don't like the way the game is played today because everybody plays that style of defense because of the rules. You can't get man up on these guys because now you're getting a five yard penalty for putting your hands on the guy. So all these teams are creating defenses based on the way the rules of the league are, and it's not aesthetically pleasing to the fan, but it's a smart defense to the teams that run them. Yeah, which it just bothers me but uh and by the way they're just a stupid stupid youtube host what do i (laughs) and 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 the league threw out this bullshit stat that hip drop tackles result in a 25 times greater rate of injury than other tackling techniques yeah give me the study let me see that give me give me evidence i i'd like to review that tape if that's at all possible speaking of reviewing all right mike gill here is your final question of the day I'm not even going to make you pick the winner of the Dolphins and the Eagles game, but I am going to make you give me a number. How many points the Miami Dolphins will score on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles? You can keep your Eagle number to yourself if you want. Yeah. If you want to yeah. give it to us, you can. But how many points would the Dolphins score against this Eagle defense? Yeah, I have them around 27. I think 27 in that range. And if the Eagles offense can bounce back, you know, the whole thing with Lane Johnson, you know, apparently Baldy said he worked out with him yesterday and he's fine. He's going to play. Um, so maybe Baldy knows more than we do. But if Lane Johnson plays, that obviously changes the dynamic. And it's crazy to say that. Now, Driscoll, keep in mind, Many times we see a guy go in the game cold and he's a he's a turnstile and then he gets a full week of practice and he settles in and he knows the game plan. No, they, they, Mike, Mike, they'd have to actually practice to get a full week of practice True. on walkthrough Wednesday. Touche. Uh, but I can't imagine they would be as bad at that position if Driscoll plays again. And if Johnson plays, that cleans up a whole heck of a lot that you could do with your offense. So I like the Dolphins around 27 and we'll see if the Eagles can get over that number, something like a 30-27, 31-27, or maybe they fall short 27-24, something like that. All right, you got to watch, listen to the sports bash. If you're down the shore, Gil will certainly be giving you an Eagle scoring number on Friday. I can guarantee you that. Mike, thanks for jumping in with us today. Always fun, my friend. Sip that up a little bit. You're showing a little bit. There you go. Thanks, yeah. Mike. Mike Gill from the Sports Bash down the shore. You are the Sunbirds 365. All right, coming back. Mac and Mac, got to put a bow on this show.
keep it here with us on birds 365 If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. To put a ball on the show here on Birch Street 65 with Mac and Mac. Uh, did want to note this. Uh, wrote it down in my show notes. I haven't gotten to it yet. The Eagles-Jets game from this past Sunday was the most viewed NFL game of the year. Now, yeah. the late Sunday window is the quote-unquote prime time of the NFL, more so than Sunday night or Monday night or whatever, the late Sunday afternoon window, which is, of course, early afternoon for those on the West Coast. But it wasn't the West Coast. It was two East Coast teams playing in the 425 window. But it did the highest ratings number of the year this past week. Now, it was a game that came right down to the wire and was decided very late in the contest. So it hung in the balance. So that is a television draw for sure. I wouldn't say it was the most 
aesthetically pleasing game of the year. A lot of defense being played, some ugly offense by the Eagles being played, but they did the biggest number. And oh, by the way, it surpassed two other Jet games. Yeah. So as of right now, the three most watched games in the NFL through six weeks are a Jet game one, a Jet game two, and a Jet game three. Johnny Mack, I propose to you that we have a new America's team, and it is the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, it would, you know, Believe it or not, a lot of that has to do with Aaron Rodgers. Still, well, the first game, one um, of the what, the game no, still, that was passed still, was the Aaron Rodgers opener. Yeah, still, um, yeah, people are interested in the Jets because of uh, what happened. We talked about it with the uh, non-takeover of the stadium. I mean, Jets fans are still invested, um, even though they were disappointed, but. You could imagine if he didn't get hurt, how much hype there would be around that team. Um, and obviously, it's the number one market in the country, so that helps. Um, you have more people to draw from. Uh, so when the Jets or the Giants, um, and even more so the Giants, have something like that going on, it's always going to be impactful from a TV rating standpoint. So let me ask this. Does that signify that the HBO preseason show still has some juice that, that no, it... I don't, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Okay. Um, I don't think. Yeah. Hard, I, knocks, not... hard knocks raised the level of the no. jets national. Well, attention. the difference, the difference between hard knocks ratings and NFL ratings are NFL game ratings. It's all NFL are astronomical. Oh no, no, by no, the no. way, I'm um, just saying it might have a ancillary effect. Yeah, it might the be. Jets have never been the number one viewing team in the NFL. Maybe, ever. Maybe, ever. Maybe a slight effect, but I think the bigger effect is the Aaron Rodgers effect. Um, he brings I, so much attention. And, and I buy the Rodgers thing week one because he was playing and everybody tuned in to see. And this week versus the Eagles, really good game, late afternoon slot. That other game was with Zach Wilson. And you knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't yeah. playing. And they've got the third highest rated game in the National Football League. Now, truth be told, it was the Dallas Cowboys who were a needle mover themselves. So there were probably a whole bunch of Cowboy fans that were tuned into that one. But Jets, number one, number two, and number three, the new America's team. Sorry, Cowboy fans. I know we got a couple. By Cowboys the way, official, the Eagles finally did it. Uh, Josiah Scott signed, uh, waived Mario Good rich. That was not official yet. How how did they keep that from not being official till this point? Um, Since everybody and his brother was reporting it, and oh by the way, they had to sign him to the active roster because they're plucking him from Pittsburgh's practice squad. No, well the Scott part was known, uh, but the Goodrich part wasn't official. Uh, right. Scott Scott's agent announced it yesterday, so um, that's how we all knew it. Um, now, I heard Mario was going to be the one to get waived, uh, but it wasn't official. It's official as of seven minutes ago. Mario, we hardly knew ye. Uh, yeah, he'll probably be back on the practice squad. Um, you know, he'll probably clear waivers. Although, you know, with the Eagles, who knows? They're a good team. But I would 
bet on him clearing waivers and being back on the practice squad. Yeah, I got bad news. Uh, and we, again, the whole PFF thing. Certain times, John and I tremendously agree with it. And other times we go, what the are they looking at? Because we're not seeing it. Yeah, Mario Goodrich, not looking good on film, not looking good on PFF ratings either. So uh, my, my, me thinks he's going to get through waivers and be back on the Eagles practice squad. All right, brother. Uh, so uh, walk through Wednesday, no uh, down to South Philly for you? Oh, no, I'm going. Uh, open locker room, Nick Sirianni's talking. Uh, yeah, big day. Get to hopefully get to talk to Julio Jones. Um, so did they open the locker room after pra- after walkthrough? Uh, before um, today. Before. Okay. That depends on the day. Thursday they're having a real practice. Um, and the locker room opens after practice. Depends on the day. Okay. No. Uh, I think the traffic is eased over there in South Philadelphia yeah. from the madhouse. Not as worried as about day. traffic today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, and he will traffic right back over here tomorrow with me, you and me, Birds 365, manana. You good, Mac? Let's do it. McMullen and McDonald back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.